Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> What up, everybody? It's your favorite golf bros. Big Drive Spence here with Big Drive Mitch, ready for another episode of Big Drive Energy. You just love to see it. That's just a lot of big What's drives. What's happening? In one, one sentence. That's a lot of BDE Sounds there. like a round of golf for me, really. It's just a couple holes and a couple of big drives. Um, okay. So today, we're going to get into... I'm going to go whole shot for shot, which I, lo- I know Mitchell and everybody else in the world loves, of my round. I actually got to play Whistling Straits. This past Monday, if you don't follow us on Twitter, you didn't miss much. I'm just kidding. No, no it really like I was living vicariously through him. I think I was sitting at work and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, I mean, it was 38 degrees, but he still, I'm sure, had the time of his life. Uh, the course looked unbelievable. I mean, they were supposed to have the Ryder Cup there this year, so yeah, it's not a it's not a slum of a course whatsoever. But we'll get into that a little bit, and then we're also going to get into. What makes golf courses hard? Not necessarily golf. We've talked about what makes golf hard, the swing, all the little things that go into it, of course. But we're going to get into more of why courses are hard for specifically myself and Mitchell, who we know both play a little different games. If you guys saw our video uh, the other day. When you uh, hit it this good, no course when, is hard. But. When you can chip a pumpkin better than you when, – when Mitchell <laughs> can chip a pumpkin better than I can chip a golf ball – I got some issues in my game, clearly, um, but I do put the big drive into big drive energy. So we kind of complement each other well. Great scramble team, for sure. 100%. Um, and if you didn't see that video, go check it out. It's on our uh, DNVR underscore golf Twitter. I think also it's got, on the DNVR just regular page, too. Yeah, it's so. on that as well. We also are, uh, I don't know how to deal with this fame yet, but we also <laughs> are TikTok famous now. I believe we have over 35,000 views and counting as of now. On our video, well, my video, let's just fucking call it what it is. Yeah, Spencer wants I to take all the... I made this great video, uh, and we got more of those to come. We got great ideas for the TikTok, um, as I would call it. Not TikTok, it's the TikTok. Yeah, we sound like some fucking 50-year-olds trying to figure out Facebook. But we're usually asking, like, just our high throw school... throw the in front of everything. We're using as- asking our high school kids that we work with to help us out um, with editing videos and things like that. We're getting better. We're not... It's called free tech support. Yeah, exactly. It's called tell me how to fix this TikTok because they'd rather do that than actually do their job at work. But anyways, so Whistling Straits. Um, actually, before we get into Whistling Straits, yeah. we just want to let you guys know about basically about us and about the DNVR Golf membership. So you guys can use our code BDE for listening to this podcast. And if you're not a DNVR Golf member, you can still become one any point and use that code BDE and it will get you $10 off upgrading your membership from a regular dnvr membership which is great content broncos rockies avs nuggets 
Rugby. We got McChesney Unchained, which I love listening to. Yeah, that dude's crazy. His analysis is nuts. Yeah, and we got and Spanish, I mean everybody's is. Ev- you know? Everybody here. Everywhere does you look, a it's great job. We're somebody's like, talented. Yeah, we're very talented. What? <laughs> we, we we just fuck around. Yeah, we just kind of found our way on here somehow. But um, but you guys can upgrade your regular DNVR membership, get more content from us because we are mostly free right now. Most of our content is free. But once we get into stuff this winter, when we do workout videos and, and swing tips and little mini lessons and stuff like that, all that stuff is not going to be free anymore. So we'll get into some of that and let you guys know, obviously, when we get to that point. But it helps to become a DNVR golf member. You get a polo. You get way more value just by com- becoming a DNVR golf member and use our code BDE. Saves you $10. So. Go ahead and do that right now. Once you're done listening to this podcast, go to the dnbr.com golf membership right there on the main page and get yourself signed up. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. We've we've discussed this at length. It doesn't make any sense to not be a golf member. And we got the Masters coming up in less than a month. We're going to be here at the DNVR bar on Masters Sunday. I think we should live stream it. I think that's what we Like, are if doing. anybody wants to just pretend like they're sitting in their living room watching the back nine, on Sunday at the Masters with us, you will have that opportunity. We're going to be at the bar live streaming. Um, As we watch the Masters, analyzing shots, talking shit. Yeah, so, I mean, Jim do. Nance is decent, but I'd like to think I'm better than him. And we'll, we'll actually analyze some shots. No, I love Jim Nance. The dude's an absolute legend. But we'll give some real analysis of swings, of situational golf in real time. That It's not going to be like the the fluffed up stuff that you hear on TV. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. But like Spencer said, we're looking to reach out and create more content, different kinds of content. So as always, you can uh, hit us up on Twitter and give us ideas of what you want to see. Uh, yeah, we're content t- machines. We just yeah. need we just need some product to be... We've, I mean, we have plenty of stuff for you. Don't get us wrong. Yeah, but... But at the same time, we want to make what you guys want to see. Exactly. And we had a guy hit us up. Uh, his name's Cal over at Lone Tree. And we posted one of a uh, pretty cool time-lapse video of him cutting holes. And we're going to get into more stuff with him because what a lot of people don't realize is we're not just golf bros as in we just show up and golf every day, even though that's what our Twitter sometimes looks like. We work, you know, work, quote unquote, at a golf course. And so we see all the back end stuff, like what maintenance does all the time. There's a lot more that goes into keeping a golf course nice, making the tee or, you know, flattening tee boxes, leveling out greens, cutting holes, cutting grass. There's so many different things and they're actually more interesting than it sounds. Dealing with moisture and yeah, there's, there's, I mean, TikTok. There's so many different things that go into a golf course, but without the maintenance staff, you literally don't have a golf course, and I feel like they don't get enough love. So we want to get more into uh, – we're good buddies with our superintendent out at the Valley of Fun. Obviously, we're friends with everyone. So we want to pick his brain a little bit more and kind of let people know and understand because some people show up to a course they are like, why is this the way it is? And they just don't get it. So – And it's not necessarily anyone's fault, but we can kind of help people understand why a place is struggling or what's happening if there's a bare spot, you know, things like that. So you're not just like, oh, this is bullshit. But anyways, we digress a little bit. We are going to create a shitload of content for you guys. Let us know what you want to see. And we will be cranking stuff out all winter. Workout videos, uh, indoor drill videos. We're going to be traveling. We're going to be doing 
we're gonna get into the drone game. We're gonna do some course layo or some flyovers and shit. So it's uh it's just the tip of the iceberg we've hit so far, folks. So uh get on the train. Buckle up. Before <laughs> get on the train before it uh flies off the tracks or whatever however that shit goes. So Exactly. Before it leaves the station. We're yeah. never flying off the tracks. No. Well, only sometimes. <laughs> we're uh, actually both not drinking right now on a uh unrelated line here um kind of had to take a step back so this podcast is 100 percent sober you can probably hear it in our voices brought to you by diet coke <laughs> and wings allowed to say that actually oh. dnvr wings though for sure just fire pile drove some of those for sure <laughs> all, all right. right so we're we are now going to get into uh spencer's gonna walk us through his miraculous 82 at whistling and first of all i'll start off by saying if you saw his scorecard he had three doubles on par fours on the front nine. And you started on one, yeah? Yeah. So you went, what, eight over, two over? Was, was that the nine? Correct. Okay, so 44, 38. And I was eight over, one under going into 17. But yeah. How'd you? I, I doubled. 18? Eight. No, I doubled 17. Oh, double we'll 17. Get there. Just oh, oh, give me God. 16 oh, holes God. and we'll Okay, get there. okay. Well, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go into every single shot. What I was going to say real quick is an 82... Given the conditions, it was what thirty-eight degrees while you were playing. Yeah, it's fucking cold. on a, a on a champion, a true championship style course. Um, that's pretty darn good, and it kind of just goes to show you when people play, when you see pros play a course and they shoot one or two under, and they say it was a really good round. They're not lying. So, yeah, without lying. further ado, further ado, let's hear Spencer's um, shot for shot at Whistling Straits here, real quick. All right, so we show up. My girlfriend and I, I drove We didn't ask about before. We're talking about the golf. Well, no, I'm just saying. I'm just setting <laughs> I'm just the scene fine. here. <laughs> okay, Great story's got to have a scene set. So my girlfriend, my awesome girlfriend, Kylie, and I, um, we went up to Wisconsin. We were supposed to go in August, and some other things, including COVID, happened. But we made it up there and made a tee time at Whistling Straits on the Straits, the course that everybody wants to play. And we show up there at 9.20-ish in the morning, and... There is snow everywhere. I mean, everywhere. Every part of the green, most of the greens, the fairways, the rough, you could not see a white ball in the rough. No joke. You could stand right over it and not see it. So I, we drive in, and I'm like, ah, we're not going to get a play today. There's no chance. And I walk up to the starter at the little starter's table, and I'm like, hey, man, you know, we have a tea time. I doubt it's going to happen. He's like, no, nah, dude, actually, we're going to start teeing people off here about 10, 1030. I'm like, you're shitting me. So I'm mentally preparing myself. We had like seven layers of clothing, gloves, hand warmers, beanies, face warmers, masks, etc. And going to the pro shop, I spent over six hundred dollars on merch in the pro shop. Had to do it, you know. It just happened. Yeah, when you um, when you go I had to, to bring bring stuff back for when people, you go to a place know? like that. Yeah, he did. He brought me a hat and a polo. So shout out to Spencer. Yeah, for... and those polos are not cheap. Everything's pretty much hundred bucks. <laughs> At least. I did skim the clearance rack and still hundred bucks, but you know <laughs> that's how it goes. There's there. It's not like I, it's not like I, backed off on the quality. Let's just put it that way. And so we go out there, walk to the number one hole. Literally can't see a thing other than maybe a little bit of fairway and the green. And made bogey on one, two was a long ass par five. Basically, a lot of my bogeys were hitting it semi good and then missing the green. And then chipping up and, and making getting up and down there is nearly impossible. You can't really read. You can read the greens, but they're way faster, even in, especially being frozen or cold, way faster than you would expect. And 
So I bogeyed one, bogeyed two, you know, rolling along. And then rolling right along the bogey train. Right along exactly like I expected. And a lot of these holes, and which we'll get into is why, you know, why, what makes golf hard is I'm looking at some of these holes and I have no idea where to go. And knowing how blind tee shots are very challenging. Yeah. And knowing how crazy I hit my driver and there being on over a thousand bunkers on the golf course, I, I had I Spencer was just has like, a tough time hitting the fairway when he knows exactly where he needs to hit it. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Then you throw in the elements of where do I hit this? No, I'm actually lying to you. I, I parred one or parred two. And then par threes, I just ate up the par threes all day. I was two under on the par threes. Real quick, what, what uh, yardage did you play from? I played from. I played some mixed tees, so I was probably about 6,900, 68 or 6,900. Oh, Tipping it out, 7,800 basically, not for me. Well, I wasn't on, a, to on a day like day. that with the ball going probably nowhere. And the wind was yeah, in, I was going to say the wind coming off Lake hole. Michigan. Yeah, it was nuts. I, I can only imagine. You'd probably shoot 95 from Exactly, the at least, maybe 100. So, <laughs> And I, I always looked at where the black tees were, and I was like, mm, not for me. Eh. So I, You're like, I don't want to make Kylie walk all the way back. Exactly. There. So I par two and three. Then I made one of my first d- patented doubles, uh, hit a ball into Lake Michigan, no coming back from that. Made a nice par off the tee from there. And then par the the next par five is called Snake. I love they have names for every hole. Um, th- kind of gives every hole a different yeah, vibe. Yeah, exactly. Like, this hole is called Gremlin's Ear. I mean, they have badass names for, for these holes. And Snake was legitimately a par five that went, basically did an entire S. And I hit it. Bomb driver is the first time I hit driver all day. Fairway, five iron to like full five iron to like 110 yards, and then I flagged a a chip at land or a f- approach shot. Landed about 10 feet past the hole and just spun to like 12 feet and made par. I was pretty happy. Thought I was gonna make birdie, but you know I didn't make birdie. But it's fine. And what I found out afterwards actually is so at the beginning of every round there they have an exact pace amount from the front of the green to every hole and you can take a picture of it whatever on your phone and basically like each hole they have a different pin cut you know and they're like okay this 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 hole this pin is 22 paces from the front well what i didn't know and i looked at that after my round is that the yardages in the middle of the fairway were to the front of the green, not the fucking center. Oh, shit. That, and so yeah. I had no idea. And, oh, and because was, then they expect you to add that number, mm-hmm. however deep it is from the front exactly. of the green. Exactly, and I was shooting it all day, most of the day, but it was so cold, I didn't want to keep pulling my rangefinder. I'm like, dude, I'm not going for a round here. I'm just trying to have fun. And it's cold. We're walking, walking 18 in the fucking cold. So um, get to five, this par five, make a great par. And then this gremlin's ear hole, I blow one way right. It's in the snow in the bunker somewhere, so no chance of making par there. But I do make par off the second ball. Almost made a, th- almost made the greatest bogey ever. Those are the greatest bogeys ever, obviously, hitting three off the tee and then making a bogey. You always feel good about that. And then we get to Shipwreck, the hole I took some pictures of, their signature hole number seven. The par three, Bad correct. Badass-looking par three. So just for, just for some relevance for you guys i in colorado and we've talked about the altitude and how far you can hit the ball out here in colorado stock i hit my four iron roughly anywhere between 230 and 245 anywhere around there i don't i go up to hybrid after that but four iron i'll pull from 240 and you know draw it and make it go a little further and i can get it there so this hole was 177 where i played it i hit a full four iron into the wind and it it cut across the hole and literally almost went in the hole. I had a six-footer for birdie, made two. 
feeling great about myself. And then I get to eight and nine. Eight is called On the Rocks, and there's a lot of rocks. And my ball missed the rocks. It was so far right. I bitched out trying to swing driver. I was trying to, trying to guide it instead of just swinging it. And so I made... Made double there, but made par from the second tee shot. So you give me mulligans, and I probably shoot 74, 75, which I'm not bragging about. I'm just saying, just a, just a fact. And then number nine, this is where, where it gets into. So I'm kind of burying the lead here, but Whistling Straits is by far the hardest course I've ever played because of where the landing areas are. Being in the rough kills you. Not being able to get up and down kills you when you don't know a course. And granted, yeah, if I played there again, I'd be a little more comfortable, but still wouldn't be shooting a low number for me it just demands every part of your game to exactly be on point, and that's basically. what is number nine i'm rolling feeling pretty good about myself even after a double because i played the basically made a par after i hit one in the lake michigan and number nine is where whistling straights truly got to me where the actual golf course and the way it's set up i hit a great drive probably the best drive of the day and i had like 145 in and i was hitting basically nine iron 145 the first couple holes so i was like all right nine iron i hit it and i i needed it to cut about another three to four yards that was it. And it doesn't. And I'm like, all right. I The pin is tucked left. I'm like, I shouldn't have gone for the green uh, or shouldn't have gone for the flag. I shouldn't have gone flag hunting. I should have gone middle of the green and tried to make par and leave the front nine shooting 42. Instead, I tried to flag hunt. And it hit, I hit it a little bit left and just in these little knolls. Can't find it for like five minutes. And, and it's just the two of us out there. So I'm like, I'm taking, I'm fucking finding this thing. I was determined. I almost stepped on it. It was so down low. My third shot approximately goes six inches into the regular rough. And then I chip it up short of the green again because it's so short-sighted. I didn't want to chip it over the green into the water, which is a very good possibility. <laughs> and then I two-putt from there to make double. And so I, I'm feeling okay about the front nine, but I'm like, all right, time to lock it in. Back nine, I started hitting a lot better shots. I start out, first of all, number 11. Number 10, I just make a ho-hum two-putt par. Number 11 is called Sandbox. It's a 563-yard par 5 and sand everywhere. I think Kylie was in the sand six different times on that hole. And I was too. I drove it in the sand. And I hit another shot that I couldn't see that there was sand down in the landing area. So I thought I was in the fairway. I was not in the sand. Ended up hitting it up near the green, chipping it on, getting up and down. So I'm like, all right, cool. One or Even par through two. And then on this hole called Pop-Up, Nice little par three, easiest hole on the course. I almost make an ace. I was hyped. I landed it about 10 feet past the hole. It was spinning down. I thought it was going in, and it didn't. Okay, but. real quick, what yardage did you play that from? Played that from 138. Okay. So I was going to say, I saw on the scorecard, there was like 110-yard tees. 118. Okay, well, would you consider that a hole in one if you would have made it? Absolutely. Well, for, yeah. Fucking whistling straights. <laughs> well, I mean... Like, if it was from, like, less than 120 and Let's you would Let's not get it. into this fucking I'm just curious. Thing. Everyone, yeah, everyone wants to knock it, but well, okay. Well, yeah, anyway. I, almost, I almost hold out. And then the next two holes, just ho-hum, hit the, hit the fairway, hit the green par. And then I made a bogey on this fucking par four because I three-putted. Not happy about it. And then this par five, incredible hole, right? It's called uh, Grant, or... It's called Spit It Out. Endless Bite. Great hole. Long par, four, par five. Playing about 550 up into the wind. I hit two great. I hit a great drive. Not as much room as I thought. And that's what is deceiving about this course, too. Is most of the time when I was playing it, I was thinking, okay, Bryson probably hits it 
50 to 60 to 70, maybe 100 yards further than me out here. I don't know how he hits driver and feels comfortable. He must just be that locked in, and I'll, we'll have to watch. I'm excited to watch the Ryder Cup next year to see where these guys hit it. But I was like, dude, I can't hit driver. I hit a lot of hybrid off the tee just because I was like, all right, it's not. right, I'm not playing it that long. I can have longer irons in or seven iron it, whatever, and feel comfortable rather than spraying driver everywhere. And the landing areas for driver are not that good. You know, it's not like it's like, okay, there's a huge wide opening. I just happened to hit a good driver on this par 5, and then I peered a 5-iron up near the green from 240, and then my chip was fucking atrocious. I was so mad, I re-hit it, hit it to a foot, would have made birdie, but that's not how golf works. You're not the second option. You're just not a one-person scramble. So I chipped up to like 10 feet and actually made a good putt, so I was, I was good. I was like, all right, cool, another par. Then... Got to this fucking 17th hole pinched nerve, and I fucking pinched a nerve on that one. I pinched a loaf is what I did. I shit <laughs> all over myself. Shit I down my I actually had take a video. I was like, take a video of me on this hole, and I hit it probably with a fucking 8-iron or 7-iron. Probably 50 yards left. Pulled it straight into the water. No cut, no nothing, just dead pull. Divot was right at the flag. My face was just shut unbelievably shut right into the water so i hit it on the green make five from there and then 18 hit a pretty good drive great approach shot to like 12 feet just miss it 82 thrilled but by far i like i kind of downplayed some of the pars that i made because they're pars i'm not going to talk big about them but i hit some amazing approach shots that were like 10 15 12 feet that just felt like it was everything it was right at the flag or uh, taking everything in me to hit those good of shots because i didn't I haven't played a ton of golf. I'm not in a groove right now. I don't really know what's happening, and I was hitting some fucking... <laughs> I don't really just, know what's happening. Well, but that just goes to show me, personally, everybody else can think they're hard or easy or whatever, but how even though I was hitting these fucking phenomenal shots, it wasn't like that's easy. I was like, that is a great shot that I'm still making par, or you miss by two yards, you're making double. Yeah. It's just that hard. And so let's get into that. Let's get into what... make For me, a course being hard has nothing to do with length, especially in Colorado. I could play a course... 9,000 yards long. I mean, I wouldn't be hitting, wouldn't be making 9, birdies. 000, I'm not saying I wouldn't be making birdies, chief. but that doesn't scare me and that doesn't make it hard for me. It's tight landing areas off the tee or getting myself in bunkers or basically not feeling comfortable swinging driver a ton. And yeah, that's where that, what makes a course hard for me. And that's why Whistling Straight's the hardest course. So, what makes a course hard for you being the incredible driver of the ball you are and the incredible accuracy you have, but maybe not all the distance? Yeah, I mean, it really, for me, comes down to the length of of holes. And like we've talked about previously, and I think Spencer's got a link up right here, but proximity to the hole from longer distances, uh, it, it, it really or restricts, I'm sorry, a lot of shorter players at certain golf courses. You rarely ever see a short hitter win the Masters. The last one that pops into my mind is, is uh, Zach Johnson. Um there's never been a plethora of, of short hitters winning the Masters because they're, Kevin Kisner talked about it last year. He's like, I've got five wood and like two or three par fours out there. And for a, a hitter of, and I mean, I'd say Kiz and I, Kiz maybe hits it a little longer than me and probably a little straighter just because he's on tour. But uh, he basically, he did a pretty candid interview last year. I think I don't know if it was with four player who it was, but he's like, basically I'm fucked at the Masters, fucked at the Open, uh, U.S. Open, like the in the U.S. Open even now they're stretching out so far that 
it really is eliminating some of these short hitters. It it just forces people with games like mine to be so much more on point with their short game. Like if you miss a green, and and you're going to, that's just statistically a fact of the matter. All right. Well, with, so here, real quick, I'll get into some t- some statistics for you. And I'm not all big hard analytics golf guy, but it's it's, it's important to understand. It's averages. Yeah, it's, it's a law of it's averages. It's a law of averages, and it's important to understand. Not necessarily how you can make yourself well. How you you understanding how you can make yourself better by looking at numbers like this and understanding what shots are important or what's important in the yeah, game. Yeah, what's golf. a practice? And so for, here's this is PGA Tour players. This is professional tour players from 220 yards. What do you think? There, I'll, I'll quiz you and see how close you are. All right. So from 220 yards, what do you think? the green hit percentages on that shot from 220 from and just on average on tour. on average on tour i guess somewhere in the 50 to 40 percent range it's 38.3 percent okay so that's 38 out of 100 shots from 220 hit the green and granted we've talked about this before but they only show the best shots on TV. Yeah, you're I mean, not seeing the guys there's spraying plenty in the of guys missing and shooting, greens. making bogeys, shooting bogeys. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's yeah. actually going to get into. Well, I don't want to bury my bury my lead. I've said that twice already <laughs> on my "Don't be that golfer," but we'll get to that. All right. Anyways, so 28. No, sorry, 38.3 percent from 220. And right, 220 so, is not out of the realm of possibility. So guys, he, guys like me. I hit it at sea level, probably 270, 280, if it's firm, maybe 290. But say there's a 500-yard par 4, which is pretty popular out on tour now, and most tournaments are played at sea level. I'm looking at, and I'm not even I'm not even close to the as good as a tour guy, I'm looking at two or three approach shots of 200-plus on par 4s. And that's going to be a struggle for me to make par from there. Or unless my short game is completely on, which is a possibility. But, you know, it's it's not an, a consistent way to make scores compared to guys like DeChambeau and, and Rom and DJ and JT. These guys have on a 500-yard par four, they've got one, sometimes 150, sometimes Sometimes they have pitching wedge in their hands. All right, and so on a 500-yard par four, when I'm probably looking at a hybrid. Yeah. So that's that's such a huge difference well, right let's there. let's go to that. So let's say they have let's say they have 170. What do you think the green hit percentage is from 170 on a t- on the tour? I'd go between 55 and 50 percent. It's actually 69 percent. Oh damn! So that's, 69 okay. percent. Yeah. But here's another quick stat for you. So going back to what we said about 220, right? Yeah. 38.3 percent of people. Hit the or pro, tour pros. This is not us. This is not anybody out there listening. That's not a tour pro. Their average proximity to the hole, which basically means average of every tour pro shot from 220, how close they are to the hole, whether they're on the green, whether they're not. What do you think that per, f, that feed is? <laughs> that, that feed is. What that feed is? Um, I'm gonna guess in the 40 to 50 foot range. Yeah. So 52.3, 52 feet three inches average average distance. So when you relate that back to, and then I mean even from there you could look at the three putt percentage from fifty feet. Yeah, like, well you can also it, look at the, the scrambling from ten to twenty yards. So yeah, if you look at scrambling from ten to twenty yards this year on tour, the tour average in basically rate rate to par score, which is RTP, which 
it's like I said, a little galaxy brain here, but it actually makes a lot of sense, especially if you've played a few rounds of golf. The tour average is plus 0.389, which basically means 38 out of 100, basically 39 out of 100 golfers on the professional tour average are not getting up and down from 10 to 20 yards. Yeah. So that's bogeys right there. Yeah. So you're, you're taking a 38% chance of making a par, uh, let's say hitting the green, 38% chance of hitting the green and making a two-putt par, down to now a basically another 38% ch or 61% chance of making of getting up and down. So you're cutting that. So so that's you, almost like 20. You have a 20% yeah. chance of making par from there. Exactly. Which is nuts. Yeah. It, it's and that's these are tour pros. These aren't us. Like yeah. this isn't normal golfers, you know. And so. But when people talk about nowadays why these guys are going for distance, because statistics back that up, um, without a doubt. And you do have your anomalies here and there, like Zach Johnson, Kevin Kisner, uh, Brian Gay. But these guys have absolutely phenomenal short games. They are wizards. Like, they'd put me to shame. And I have a pretty damn good short game. But they would make me look like an ass. So, these guys... And even then, they count themselves out of certain tournaments. You know, they, they literally know they cannot compete at certain events. Um, unless they just catch lightning in a bottle and, and can't miss that week. Because... There is so many courses out there on tour now that they set it up, and and I wouldn't say it's a problem with viewership, but it's a viewership thing where nobody wants to see, like, they play the tournament every year at Harbortown, um, out in uh, South or North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, yeah, I think it's Myrtle Beach. I'm sorry. So South Carolina. And you're reducing guys like Bryson DeChambeau he, I think he probably hit the fewest amount of drivers in any tournament um, at Sea Island, or not Sea Island, I'm sorry, Myrtle Beach. Is it, I feel like, Harbortown, I'm sorry, Harbortown. Um, and these guys are all hitting five irons, three irons, three woods off tees. And then even at that point, you have to work it around trees because you could hit a fairway and still be blocked out from the green. But that isn't entertaining to your average golfer turning on golf on a Saturday while they're taking a nap. They want to see these guys hitting it 340, 350, 360, driving greens, cutting corners, you know, the shot tracers, some of them are just unreal. But it just doesn't, short hitting doesn't suit viewership and what what the PGA Tour is looking for ratings-wise. They're obviously trying to accommodate to the, the biggest demographic which is people who want to see guys like Dustin Johnson and and even Tiger. I mean, Tiger's long. He was long before really anybody else was long. And I say his name a lot, but I hate the fucking dude. Bryson DeChambeau. Every, he's must-watch TV because you never know what he's going to do. Um, and that's really where the short guys, short uh, hitting-wise, I mean, a lot of them actually are, stature wise a little bit on the smaller side um but you just don't see a lot of those guys prosper very often in tour events they just they're at a clear disadvantage yeah just numbers wise well and more you know i don't want to drown this podcast out with numbers but just some things to think about that are even crazy to me to look at so what do you think i'm going to quiz you again so 12 feet, that's a fairly makeable putt in most people's minds. Now, we can get into the percentages of that. We don't, we're not going to do that. 
But 12 feet to me is like, all right, that's close enough. It's I, doable. I, it's, I don't expect it to go in, correct. but I can, I can make it. It's exactly. Definitely So how close, just to have a basically 50% chance of hitting it inside of 12 feet, tour pros, what do you think the yardage is? Am I making sense here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think the yardage is that tour, that it goes from basically 48% to 51% of hitting it inside of 12 feet every time? 50% I'd go time. like... 105 to 115 it's actually or no even shorter than that 95 it's going 55 to 50 yards oh my god so basically 50 you can think of it 50 50 if, if you're okay. inside of 50 yards 50 percent of the time pros are hitting it inside of 12 feet that that's is nuts. it yeah like that's insanity yeah and that's why it's it's so relevant and such a you know, distance, distance is taken yeah. over the game because they have numbers like this in analytics where it's like, all right, you know, we... And statistically, the closer you get to the green, no matter what your skill level is, you're going to have a better chance at making a better score, no matter what. And that's what this big distance hype is all about. And so, to kind of get back on topic maybe a little bit here, like I was saying, the toughest courses for me are courses that are just flat out long that just play where I have four irons, five irons, hybrids into par fours, even at elevation, you know, it's, it, it's really, I wouldn't say it's not fun, but it's just very challenging. I'm not, well, yeah, it changes, I'm not think it, it changes your mindset. It changes your mindset personally, for me, at least when I have a four iron in my hand or five iron in my hand, I'm pumped if I hit the green. And if I'm pumped if I hit the green, I'm generally not very close, so I'm happy to two-putt and make a par. Whereas if you have nine, seven, seven, nah, even uh, seven, you're eight, nine yeah. pitching wedge, I'm like, all right, I should hit the green, maybe make birdie. And then if I have, you know, sand wedge, gap wedge, I'm like, all right, I should hit one close here. You're, you're thinking of par at the worst. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, for me, it's I definitely have to be more on point with my long irons and my longer clubs because I, I don't get it as close to the green as say Spencer does but that's really and there's other things you know we'll kind of talk a little bit more about it but proper bunkering on a course can be really challenging and I don't know if a lot I don't know if people know this or not but course architects actually put bunkers in places that people are most likely to hit it so your average golfer is miss losing their tee shots to the right you'll notice that there are way more fairway bunkers to the right on a lot of holes than there are to the left. Or if, if the dog, if the dog leg is left, if it's working from right to left, if it's a dog leg left, there'll be a lot more bunkers on the, on the left side to penalize the people who are trying to go for it. There'll always be a, um, a, something in your way over there. And it, it's just strategy from the architect standpoint well, yeah. to make you consider, Oh, well, if I, I'm thinking of just 11 out at spring Valley, it's drivable. But if you try to cut it too far left, you're hitting trees. You're potentially losing a ball. You know, you're possibly hosed. Well, think about you're bringing in double into the equation. Yeah, and talking about the Valley of Fun, the place we hold so dear to our hearts. Think about number three. That's a perfect example. It's a straightforward, easy hole. Kind of dog legs, maybe a hair right. There's a bunker from about most tees. Let's say people play the blue tees from about two fifteen to two forty out, right on the right side of the fairway. You know how many people hit it in there? And it's not even really relevant to the hole. It shouldn't be. Yeah. But that's where it's perfectly placed exactly. to where you should. And the same with number eight. It's a dogleg left, hard left, 
par four. But, but if there's you bail a bunker out, right yeah. that's just like right in that area. If you bail out and you don't hit it good, it's going in there. Same with number four. I mean, it, there's a big cluster of trees about, uh, I want to say, between 100 to 120 yards in on the right side of the fairway in the rough. But the hole plays 350 from the, the blue tee, so that's about a 220-yard shot to 250-yard shot. You could end up right under uh, a plum tree or whatever they are. But uh, course architects do strategize where to put hazards and where to put bunkers, so that's that's another challenge you have to work around, and that's just another thing that can raise your scores. I mean, the, your average golfer out of a fairway bunker is, is definitely going to struggle and that I think that's something we should get into instructionally too because that that is one of the harder shots in golf is when you end up in a fairway bunker most people feel like they're just hosed to begin with but um anywho the toughest course I think I've played in recent memory and it, and it just goes to the testament of distance is I played TPC Colorado last year and uh we played it tipped out I think it was like 7850 7900 and there's just a few holes that are just seared into my mind as like I've never felt smaller as a human being um than when I played these golf holes so there's obviously I think everyone well it's not obvious I think everyone's probably heard about that par 5 out there if you've heard anything about TPC Colorado I think it plays 740 yards from the uh the very back tees and when we played out there, generally because they do have a corn ferry tour event out there, they try to make the conditions firm and fast uh, to make it more challenging for those guys. But on the other side of that, I actually prefer f uh, firm and fast fairways and greens because I have pretty good control of my golf ball, but what I don't have is the distance. So when we were playing TPC Colorado, it was very soft. And I literally hit driver three wood four iron on that part five. And I did make par, but it took me make knocking in like an eight, ten footer. I had to get up and down to make par. And I was like, holy shit, that is like three. I mean, I hit driver 280, 290. I busted three wood, 270, 280. And I still had like 210 yards in. So I was like, what? what is this sorcery? Like, I, I just couldn't believe it. And then the, on top of that, uh, you go to... I think there's a par four after that. Maybe not. Maybe you just go straight to a par three. The par three is like 270 yards. I shit you not. I hit three wood and I I was trying to kind of cut it a little bit or maybe it's like 260, but I hit it like shit and, and made the easiest bogey in my life. Like I had, I, I had a long bunker shot. I was really pretty much hosed. And then you, the next hole you go to a par five that plays, um, 600 plus where I hit driver hybrid and still had like a nine iron in or whatever. And then the two finishing holes are, are par fours that are both, I want to say eight seventeens like 480 or 490. And then 18 is like 510. And for a short hitter in soft conditions, and it was fairly breezy that day. Uh, I think I, on 18, I had to, I ended up making par, but it was because I flipped a 50-yard wedge in there to six inches. Um, I had to lay up with a, a hybrid, which was unbelievable because it was sitting so deep down in this rough. All I could do is, like, hack it out. It probably rolled 150 yards, whatever. 
but that course played so long that I had so few actual scoring opportunities um, that it, it just even I, I could go through almost every single hole and there was maybe two or three holes out there that I felt like were of average length um, average being 400 to 450 yards for a par four. I think almost every par four out there plays from the, the back tees over 450 yards. So for me, that was a, a very, very, uh, I wouldn't say frustrating, but it was just a grind. Like you, you hit the fairway and I hit a lot of fairways, but you hit the fairway and you're like, holy shit, I got five iron in again. You know, that's not a scoring opportunity for me. So I, I think I played okay that day, but it, for me to like go play a web.com event out there, or a, I'm sorry, a corn fairy tour event, that would be a real grind for me because it's just the distance means so much out there. And there is quite a few fairways where you do have a, a decent amount of room. I mean, I wouldn't say it's just a, a driving range where you've got a hundred yards on either side, but there is a fair amount of room where people with Spencer's game wouldn't struggle as much as I would struggle. So that that's kind of the long winded version of why I, uh, <laughs> Why I don't like long golf courses. And real quick, so I played Inverness last week right here in Denver uh, in the Tech Center. That shit's tight. That shit's so tight. It is super tight. And um, it was like 35 degrees, and I played pretty well. I I think I missed maybe two fairways, and I'd never seen the course before. But that course suited me so well. And it, it's, I wouldn't say it's short, but it's definitely not long. There's three woods. There's strategy off the tee. There's... Even even if they're you're hitting driver, you know there's you got to pick your spot, you got to hit a spot, you got to cut dog legs if you're, you know it gives you a lot of decisions, and that's my game. It's not step up, see how far you can hit it. So uh, that's I would say that's more my style. Of course, that's places where I'm more likely to succeed is basically what I'm getting at. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as far as scoring goes, and and courses being hard or easy, I think there's a couple of things that I tend to see a lot in Colorado and. I'm sure you maybe agree with me, and maybe it's just because we play Spring Valley a ton. But I think a lot of courses, you mentioned it when you are talking about TPC Colorado, is they stretch these goddamn par threes out so long. Like, yeah, they're, just and Most courses we've played, I, I can think of like Legacy Ridge. There's a 240-yard uphill. Mm-hmm. Other cor- Every course, um, what's the course Regionals was at? Uh, oh, oh, Murphy, Murphy Creek. Creek. I've played 17 out at Murphy Creek and hit driver because it's always windy as shit out there. I hit driver into the wind. You're caddying for me in that Pepsi Tour event. I hit driver, and I I wasn't trying to, like, bust it because I didn't want to, like, blow over the green. Turns out I needed to because I came up short with a driver on a par three. Yeah, and and that's where some of the Colorado courses get – they mean to stretch out most holes – but Spring Valley's fairly straightforward. Most of the par fours are a pitch and putt for me personally. Yeah. yeah. And but then I get to the par threes, and I'm I'm making th- I'm usually more inclined to make a three on some of our fours than I am make a three on some of our threes. Yeah. And they're th- just that hard. Every hole is two twenty, two thirty, demanding. In, you know, and they're demanding and, holes. Yeah, and they're, they're and not just long of, either. They're tough. They're yeah, tough holes. And there's a lot of par threes in Colorado like that. And another one of my biggest pet peeves, and I don't care. So, there's a lot of strategy into the game of golf, obviously. It's probably one of the most strategic games you can play. And when you know what you're good at and know what you're not, it helps you to know what you're good at and yeah, play, play to your strengths. Yeah. But I cannot – my biggest pet peeve on a golf course 
anywhere in the world, I don't care where it is, is where you basically have no chance to hit a driver off of a par five. And I, I can think of for sure there's a hole at uh, Legacy Ridge. I can't Oh, I it. cannot. It's like five or four. That s- hole can get bent. It, it, you do you cannot hit driver off it, and it's well, a par five. Well, you can. Five. You can, but it's... But you have to hit a perfect blower. It's like, not even hook. worth hitting yeah. driver. Exactly. Like, it doesn't... And I, I agree with you, and, and kind of piggybacking on that, I cannot stand par fives where, for the average person... It doesn't bring in some sort of risk or reward to try to go for it. Like where holes are just flat out so long, it just takes it. I mean, what's what's the fun in hitting a drive out there? It doesn't really matter if you hit the fairway or the hit in the rough because you know you're laying up unless the rough is just stupid tall. But I'm thinking like 18 out of Spring Valley. I enjoy it more. We've kind of got two sets of black tees that we can play out there. Um, the furthest back ones go 630. And then you move them up one, they go 550. From 550, 560 for me, that's about prime around my max on what I can hit in two. But from 630, I can hit driver anywhere. I know I can lay up and, it, you know, it, it's a relatively demanding layup, but it's not not that hard. And then I've got a, a flip wedge in. So it, it takes the, the risk reward out of the hole where I'm not even thinking about going for it off the tee. Um and, and it just takes some of the fun out of it, it takes some of the strategy out of it, where I, I think the best kind of golf course is the, the holes lay out in front of you and let you make a decision on what you want to do with that hole. You know, it's the, the golf course doesn't tell you, okay, you're going to hit driver here and you're going to lay up and you're going to, you know, th- there's, they need to give you options. And that is one of my most frustrating things when I play, especially just long courses, is there's there's really no options they they don't give you choices they they're like okay you're hitting driver here you're hitting a layup you have this area to hit a layup and then you're hitting a wedge you know it it just kind of takes the fun out of it for me personally yeah there should always be some sort of every i mean every par five doesn't have to be gettable yeah but at least have a reason if you hit a great drive that rolls a little further that it is gettable and then have some. It could like be beneficial said, some, to get it up near the green. Correct. If, even if you can't reach the green, but to to have some sort of a shot, like, well, if I hit three wood, I still have 90, 80, 70, 80, 90 yards in, or if I hit hybrid five iron, whatever, I'm going to have uh, 120, 130. Like, it, if I hit three wood on a hole, I want to be able to be within, like, pitching distance, which is 20, 30, 40 yards. So, I, and you could feel differently because... Spencer, I think probably downwind you could get there from six thirty. Yeah. Well, not even necessarily downwind. I bet you could get there from on eighteen at Spring Valley. Yeah, yeah, I can get there every once in a while. It has to be a lit, maybe a hair downwind, or I have to hit a really good drive. But usually, I have a shot at it on the second shot. It doesn't always roll up on the green. Of course, there's water and bunkers. And, and, things. and that that second shot is demanding. But I think that's the fun part is moving that tee to five fifty. It really forces you if you're going for it. There's a pond right. There's a pond left. There's a bunker left, just green side left. It's not an easy shot, but if, if you execute, you're, you have an eagle look. You know what I mean? It's, it's that risk-reward that really makes it fun. It's not just, oh, well, what's there's, there's no benefit to me going for it here. You know what I mean? So it, that, that's kind of my problem with some golf courses is they just make them too long to the point where, especially nowadays with the ball and all that every golf course is 
main stick or shtick, whatever, is that they just want to make it as long, especially here in Colorado, they want to make it as long as humanly possible. And they're still saying that tour events can't be held out here because a 7,900-yard course, 79, yeah, 7,900-yard course is not long enough. Like, are you shitting me? That's almost 8,000 yards. I just, I'm not a huge fan of that. Yeah, well, and I think another thing that makes a golf course tough for me personally with not having a good short game, so I can hit it far, right? If I'm hit, even if I'm hitting driver good, it to me it's just like lightning quick hard greens. And like you said, you like that. You're comfortable with that. Where I'm used to Spring Valley, where you can land it at the hole and it spins back or stops. But for me, when I'm trying to get, if I'm trying to get up and down a lot and the greens are quick. I'm making bogeys or even doubles. I'm not even getting up and down. I'm not even getting up and up and down. I'm getting <laughs> up and up and up and then tapping in for a down. And so that's what makes it tough. When, I see, when I'm when i putting on the first couple holes, and I'll never forget, I played a tournament at Black Bear last year, which is not a tough course. I used to own that course when I worked there. And I remember the greens had to be rolling 14, 13, 14, fastest things I've ever seen in my life. And I couldn't. I was hitting okay approach shots, but I was not even... Yeah, you're I was just three like, putting you're from, just paralyzed. Full panic. <laughs> yeah. Full panic mode. For, you have a six-footer downhill, and I've got an eight-footer up the hill coming back. Yeah, you're more thinking about where you want to leave your next putt. It just puts you in defense mode right off the bat, where you're not thinking about making putts. You're thinking about how many putts you're going to miss and where you're missing them and, and kind of damage control at that point. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've played greens that are fast like that, but... It's just kind of how you prepare for them and and what you prefer. I, I prefer faster greens because I can make a smaller stroke and the ball's going to get to the hole. And I feel, you know, there's less or more room for air on a smaller stroke. You're more times than not, you're going to make a better stroke from five feet than you are from twenty feet. So it's it's make it takes a variable out of out of it for me. That's why I prefer fast greens. But some people prefer to be able to feel like they're hitting it pretty hard and it's not going to fly by the hole because I think it's, it's a mindset thing too, where it, people get real defense, like go on the defense when they play fast screens because they're just scared. They, they don't have this aggressive mindset. So it's, it's kind of a mindset thing too, but yeah. I, well, and what's funny for me is I don't like fast greens, but at the same time, I'd rather have a six footer downhill than a six footer uphill Kind because of for the same reason. Same reason. You get I like it to make started. A, yeah, you get it started on the right line. It's generally going to trickle down in the hole versus you have to hit, you have to have the right speed and line and, and make a bigger stroke at it when you're going straight up the hill. For sure. So, yeah, that TPC Colorado for me was one of the tougher ones. Obviously, wind, if, if you've played golf in Colorado, you're going to see wind. And that always uh, throws a monkey wrench into your plans. Um, even the best players, really, and and that the the challenges with wind that everybody's gone through it. You hit a really pure shot, and it goes right through the wind. Like, so you're say you're aiming ten yards right of the green, thinking that the wind's going to push it over back to the left. You just peer it right through the wind, and it stays on its line right there. And then if you hit one a little wonky, it's going to be taken by the wind even more. So it it really does demand ball striking, but. A weird thing for me is I actually prefer to hit the ball into the wind versus downwind, especially with approach shots, because approach shots are much easier to control into the wind by flighting it than they are hitting it, hitting one downwind. Because like 
a downwind wedge shot actually, and a lot of people don't know this either, a downwind wedge shot actually doesn't go as far. It, it doesn't give you as much distance as, say, a 7-iron or whatever because it, it's actually knocking the, the ball down and taking trajectory off the ball so the ball cannot apex. And so it's not going to travel as far, but it is going to take spin off. And actually, Spencer and I were kind of talking about this. Um, when were we talking about it? Uh, about, like, uh, tra uh, transcendent, um, transcendent, like, trajectory where depending on how your ball lands what trajectory or what angle it's transcending from has to do with how quickly you can stop it on the green and so your your lower shots that's why they you can put spin on them but they're not going to stop on a dime like those really high shots because it's coming down on a flatter angle so it's it's naturally going to skip forward regardless of how much spin it has on it so i i kind of a long-winded way of saying I prefer it into the wind because if and, and it does take some practice but if you can control those short irons and wedges to where even if you have 100 yards and you feel comfortable taking an extra two clubs and hitting a six, 50 60 70 percent shot you're gonna be better off than trying to go down two clubs and hit a shot downwind because at that point, you're just throwing it up there, and you really have no control over what it does or how it lands or anything. So, yeah, absolutely. And like you said, wind for me, I have I consider myself a professional golfer. I'm saying that with air quotes, but with an <laughs> amateur mind. And wind doesn't affect your ball as much as you think it does most of the time. And but it affects my mind, and yeah. I hit way worse shots because I'm thinking about the wind rather than just hitting the golf shot and. And aiming for the wind and preparing yardage-wise, club-wise for the wind, and then just hitting the golf shot. What do you think's the windiest round you've ever played? Windiest round I've ever played was probably. Where uh, you just remember you hit a shot and you're like, "Holy shit!" Well, it was it that was, went nowhere. It was out, oh, see, it was the opposite for me. It was at or, Spring Valley. Okay. And the, the first hole, I drove the green from 420. Yeah, that's and that's a long ways. And I was just like, ways. "What in the fuck?" Like, I was so shocked by that, and the flags were going sideways. I think we only played a few holes that day. It was rainy, kinda, but I remember hitting a drive, and I, you know, I can hit the green from the blue tees or get close if I get the right draw on it and lands in the right spot, whatever. But I remember just straight up driving the green from 420, and I was like, "Wow, that wind is strong. That yeah. is a hefty. That's a beefy wind." Yeah, for sure. Well, you, I mean, you hit driver so long as it is, but. I I think the one round that stuck in my mind the most wind wise was obviously when I was over in Scotland. Um, we played this, you know, that's known for wind and shitty weather. Um, but we played this place called Crail Golf Society. It's kind of right down the coast from Kings Barnes, right outside of St Andrews, and it was we had played the home uh, the home course or the the pff, Jesus. I'm sorry. The championship course at St. Andrews, the what's it called? The the home course? The old course. The old course. My God, I'm sorry. Not I'm, even so, drunk. I'm sober. Yeah, this is amazing. Um, the old course at St. Andrews, we had played that morning. And so we were going for 36 that day, hoofing it, which was a nightmare in and of itself. But we went and played Crail, and it was blowing pretty consistently, um, I'd say, between 30 and 50 miles an hour. And the 15th hole or 14th hole is a par three. 
and it was 140 flag. I'll remember this probably until I die. It was 140 to the flag. It was 120 to cover the front bunker, and I hit four iron and barely covered the front bunker at 120. So, and I mean, I generally, if I hit four iron, even at sea level, I'll hit it 190, 200 yards. And I literally hit it almost half the full distance. Like I, I was just shocked. I was like, oh, that's all over it. And then it just, it just drops out of the sky and barely carries that front edge. And I was like, holy shit. But then on the other side of that, we, we go to the next hole. It's a 440 yard par four or whatever. And I've got pitching wedge or sand wedge in so i mean there's definitely two sides to it but that that four iron i hit i will never forget as long as i live because i flushed it too it wasn't wasn't a wonky toe shot or whatever i hit it good when went 120 <laughs> so that's uh wind like we've kind of talked about before wind is a horse of a different color you never really know what you're going to do with it and it's just a commitment thing. You got to commit mentally. And well, and there's some courses, kind of like Whistling Straits, and I'm sure others, millions across the world, America, wherever, where wind is one of their guards. And yeah. they just kind of expect, like Murphy Creek's in a spot where if it's not windy, it's like one out of every 100 days or whatever. Yeah, and even when it's not windy, it's blowing like 10, 15 out there. Exactly. It's, you rarely get a very calm day. And, and like you said, courses set up for that where – Generally, where Murphy Creek is located, if you don't know where that's at, it's right uh, right by 470 on the way out to the airport, kind of in Aurora-ish, um, but it's on the east side of the highway, and it's basically out in a pasture. It's very link style, but basically, there's not a single hole that runs east or west out there. Complete. I, I take that back. There's one part, th- two part threes that run both they both go to the east um but there's really not a whole other or i'm sorry to the west but there's really no holes otherwise that run east and west because predominantly their wind out at murphy creek is either out of the north or out of the south so on any given day if the wind's out of the south those holes heading south are going to be a real challenge and the holes heading north are going to be a nice reprieve and vice versa so like you said wind is something that that architects think about when they're designing a course, really what's, what's going to make this whole challenging. What, you know, what are the different possibilities? So good point there. That, that is something that does get worked in a lot to uh, architectural strategy with golf courses. Oh, absolutely. And there's, there's a lot more tough golf courses we can talk about. If you guys want to hit us up and let us know, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, let us know some of your toughest courses and we can see if, you know, we've played those agree with you, disagree with you or try to get out and play them and see how tough they really are for ourselves. Um, but that's going to wrap up this podcast, you guys. Thanks for listening, as always. Well, do you want to do, do our... We are going to do our Don't Be That Golfer okay. for the week before we finish. So, Mitchell, I'll let you start. Um, so it's kind of a, from a pro shop standpoint, um, don't be that golfer. And it's just kind of being a shopper in general. That person that, that walks into the shop, rifles through all the shirts, fucks up all of our racks, you know, pushes everything to one side, turns everything sideways, tries on shoes, doesn't put them back, and then buys nothing and walks out. That is just super frustrating because then we just got to walk through the entire shop. Oh, absolutely. And you can everything. save yourself from this by literally buying one shirt or buying one little thing, and I'll be like, all right. You yeah, know, yeah, you it. buy a divot tool, and I'm like, cool. But when you touch everything and move it around and then just walk out. And I don't like, want to pick out a, a, a gender, but women are, are – 
just the browsers. They their husbands in the restroom and they're just shoving racks of shirts back and forth. And, and they they're not even looking. They're, it feels like they're just doing it to like make my day worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like what the fuck's going on over there? But yeah, that's my don't be that golfer for the week. Uh, you can look through the stuff by all means, and if you're gonna buy something, that's cool. Like if you're truly interested, but if you're just browsing, don't don't go with the two arm rack push you know like push everything off to the sides it's not i'm not a fan of that and i don't think any any pro shop worker is either so yeah don't be that golfer exactly well my don't be that golfer and i kind of said it earlier and i accidentally said it but in golf you got to use the right terminology or else you don't have to you don't have to let's put it this way you can say whatever you want but you don't want to go shoot 18 yeah i never you don't want to go <laughs> shoot 18 you don't want to shoot a bogey <laughs> you you know I, is this hunting? I it's you played eighteen, and I made a bogey. I shot a forty-eight. I shot a forty-eight. Not I. I, is, I hit a. 48. I hit a forty-eight. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, dude, I hit a forty-two. No, you didn't hit a forty-two. You shot a forty-two. Yeah. You hit the ball. It, exactly. So there. just that little terminology. Once you get more into golf, of course, you know we accept all people, but. Us on this podcast, we're just trying to help you out from sounding kind of like if you, you have buddies who are more about. into golf, you're like, oh, that was a great shot there, not that was a great hit. Yeah, like this isn't this isn't baseball. Yeah, exactly. You're, that you're, wasn't a hit. You're shooting a 48. You're hitting the ball, <laughs> and you're making bogeys. <laughs> that's and just a little terminology. For yeah, you. yeah. No, that's that's very good. It'll it really uh, will make you look distinguished, like you know more of what you're talking about because it's. It's very easy to pick out right off the bat when somebody doesn't know what they're talking about. They're like, oh, that was a great hit. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. We know exactly where your golf <laughs> knowledge is. Yep. I, I agree with you. That's a good one. All right. And before we get out of here as well, like we said earlier, you can use our code BDE and get $10 off upgrading your DNVR membership into a golf membership. Also, you can use our code BDE at dnvrlocker.com. A lot of cool Phil, Phil Lindsay shirts, Bronco shirts. They're right in the middle of the season right now. Holiday season's coming up. If you guys want to get your, get your fam something, get yourself something for the holidays, use our code BDE and get 10% off anything at dnvrlocker.com. I think that about wraps it up for us. We'll talk to you guys next week. The Golf Bros, out. out.